Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hun. The world of technology and healthcare ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. Today, we'll be discussing the recent Epic UGM and Civitas conferences. And be sure to follow the show on social media at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 17 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. So you still jet lagged, Colin? I mean, I know we published this two or three weeks after the event, but we just got back from both conferences. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a whirlwind, uh, you know. Never, I'd never been to the Epic campus before. I'd only ever seen pictures and heard the stories from people. And, and so it was like, you know, it was like going to Disney World, you know? Like I was, I was like, say, I was did excited. Did it live up to the hype? Because the yeah. pictures seem like it does, but it, it, uh, it is that and more. Like it, it actually is one of the few places in recent memory that I've been to where it actually exceeds the hype. Wow. And in, in both, and I mean the hype in, in the sense that people talk about it so much. You, yeah, they do. You figure you're going to be in this giant, you know, fantasy land, right? <laughs> it is that, but also not that. Like it is an it is an office. It's very clearly an office. You're not walking around Disney World, uh, you know, it, <laughs> but it, it's just, yeah. I mean, it the thought that's been, that was put into the design of that campus, the architecture, I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, what, there's nothing more you can say about it. And you know, you, you could you could argue whether or not it's it's warranted. That's a whole different sure. discussion. But what is there? People who are there do find it that it helps them be creative and work better. And so, hey, it. it but it's fun. It, it's a fun place. And uh, the user group itself was was something. Uh, it was something to behold. Yeah. Well, I guess you got dizzy from the teacups, not from uh, all the uh, talk about health IT. <laughs> I mean, Civitas was at the Gaylord in National Harbor, just outside oh, DC. And beautiful. so, you know, it, it's beautiful right there on the water. So, uh, you know, both of us are, had posh gigs this week. That's, I guess. That's, that's pretty good. I, mean, I, I love that. I love that facility, actually. The Gaylord in, in National Harbor is, is an amazing place to hold a conference. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Well, you, you went to the Epic UGM. I went to Civitas. So tell us, what were the big announcements at Epic's UGM this year? Yeah, there were there were a number of really big announcements. Probably the one that's the most far-reaching, not necessarily the biggest announcement, but the most far-reaching was uh, Epic unveiled their new uh, partner program, which replaces the old App Orchard and the you know the the and the um, uh, the App Marketplace that they had. Of course, they had previously announced that that was going to be shut down in December. They then introduced what's called Connection Hub, but then uh, at the user conference recently, they provided a lot more details in terms of the different categories of partners that they will have. So you know, I'll just. I've outlined it very quickly, you know, the top levels, what they call cornerstone partners. You know, that's where companies like um, you know, InterSystems and Microsoft are. And then there are partners, uh, you know, where there were people like Nuance uh, is it was was there. And then we had another level, another category called PALS. <laughs> and uh, organizations <laughs> like Abridge was there and um, TalkDesk. And then the, the level where I think most people will be at is what's called members. And there, it's basically any solution that has achieved a level of integration with Epic. So it's, I guess, the most equivalent to what App Orchard was. So that was sort of the big announcement, the one that has the most far-reaching. 
Uh, and then, uh, you know, there were a lot of announcements around, you know, how and where they're going to deploy generative AI <laughs> and, you know, that they were going to help uh, reduce in-basket clog, uh, you know, by using generative AI to generate responses back to patients with all the questions that are being posed through my chart. Um, there were some MyChart announcements as well, um, some announcements around their new CRM system. So a lot of enhancements to the product were were the other big announcements. Yeah, which is always the case at a EHR, you know, user conference. There's always a, a, you know, a lot of updates that only the users really care about. So I'm sure there's a lot of those. But the the, the partner one is the interesting one for me. Uh, to your point, it, it, it you know, it, I, I think it was a pullback. And, it, you know, it's like you with your kids, right? You're like, sure, you can watch TV. And then they watch five hours and you're like, no, nope, never mind. You can't be trusted. I got to pull it back. You get one hour a day, right? Like, you know, that's kind of what it feels like Epic did was they tried to open up. And, uh, you know, from what I hear, they had some partners that kind of weren't good partners, didn't manage the data properly and kind of damaged some systems uh you know that epic you know epic systems that it, it were implemented at hospitals and and so you know now they pulled it back right which you know the question is okay was that the partner's fault right and that you need to choose better partners which that's what this indicates to me is epic says we're only going to work with certain ones that we trust right we're going to watch over this a lot more or is that a you know another perspective that i might offer is you know, hey, that was bad governance on your part in how you worked with partners and and how your API worked with them. And so, you know, you know, could there be a better UI and approach when it comes to the API? So, yeah, I, that one is an interesting change. And and I wonder if it's going to be kind of this badge of honor. I mean, I, I know a bridge, for example, which is one of the pals that was first announced. And no doubt they're mm -hmm. going to use that as <laughs> as like yep. a little calling card with Epic customers. Like, hey, we're Epic approved, which I'm sure Epic would hate them saying. But, you know, with salespeople do all sorts of things in, in, in meetings. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch. I think so. And, and I think you're you're not wrong. I think there was definitely... You could hear in the announcements the way they spoke about these partners, that these were not just partners in name. These were people really, truly that were integrated. Their development teams were collaborating closely. Uh, you know, they had lots of representation there at the user conference. So this was more than just, you know, hey, getting a, ba a badge to stick on your website. So I, I, I don't disagree with you that perhaps there was more of a flight to quality in the new program to say, okay, we only want a certain number of of uh, partners who are achieve, you know, who we can trust and who are going to put in the work, frankly, to to make sure that the integrations really truly work the way they said they were. Um, and it was interesting that at the time of the uh, announcement at the user conference, there weren't any people that they pre-approved for the members level. Uh, mm. Judy did say that there was coming very very soon and that the ink was just drying, kind of kind of <laughs> message. But uh -huh. but there were only you know a handful in each at each category. Uh, but it, it actually was illustrative, right? It was sort of like, okay, I can understand why Intersystems and Microsoft are at the sort of cornerstone level. I understand why Abridge is uh, and TalkDesk are at the the PALS level, and so it kind of gave some structure and uh, to it rather than lumping everyone in in the same uh, space, which is what they used to have. So, yeah. so that was sort of the biggest announcement there. I mean, the the one that was actually for me uh, putting my marketing hat on for the moment. 
there were two things that Judy said that I found really fascinating. And she was basically saying that, you know, when she goes and travels and she bumps into people and then people ask her what she does. I mean, this is obviously people not in healthcare. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know, she's like, oh, I work at Epic. And they, the blank stare, right? Like, what's Epic? <laughs> you mean Epic but then she goes the video game developer? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then she says, oh, we, we make my chart all of a sudden the light bulb goes off, wow, right? Cause then she, so she goes, basically we're the my chart company to the rest of the world. Um, hmm. Because so many people have now used it. She put up some statistics during her keynote that just shows how many times it was accessed, how many lives are managed through it. And it's an incredible number. Like it's just a phenomenal number of patient records are available through my chart. And, and there were a number of interesting MyChart enhancements that were announced that as a marketer, I was interested in because they introduced something called MyChart Builder, which hmm. is essentially a website builder, but for MyChart. So now you can more easily skin and lay out MyChart in a more specialized way, in a more customized way. Uh, or as the literature put it, in a more personalized way. Hmm. And so instead of MyChart, which I think today looks pretty much the same, you know, unless someone has invested to build their own you know, HTML on top of it, they pretty much all look the same. <laughs> but, but now with MyChart Builder, you will be able to customize it a lot more and personalize it to you know, your corporate colors and other things like that. So that was actually the most, uh, from a marketer standpoint, a more interesting uh, uh, you know, enhancement that was announced there at the user conference. Yeah, the other thing I like to do is look at the announcements and say which companies are are now out of business, <laughs> which which doesn't happen as much in health IT, right? And they they usually have some ground, and you know there's there's some battle to happen. But you know the Epic Gallery was an interesting one with the document <laughs> management module, right? Like how many other companies are helping with document management, with scanning in, with you know managing faxes, et cetera, right? You know it, it'll be interesting to see, you know. Where, where does that one go? Uh, you know, and it, that's, it's not too hard to see. Hmm, could that go into PAX or, you know, <laughs> other areas? It yeah. makes you wonder where is it headed, right? Uh, and some of the others like the uh, scheduling, right? And optimization of staff scheduling. There's there's a lot of companies playing in that staff scheduling, surgeon scheduling space that, uh, you know, probably are looking at that. And, you know, they probably aren't too worried right now because the first iteration is always bad. But, you know, the fact that they're rolling it out, there's a fair number of Epic customers to say, well, if Epic offers it, we're going to use it and we're going to save our money off something else. So, yeah, that's the other area that's always fun to look at and say, well, who else are they uh, going to, you know, kind of ruin if because they roll out the feature? <laughs> Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, that, those were the two that I would have picked to say, oh, that's interesting that they're getting into that space, especially around gallery, which was the one around document management. They they basically said it wasn't for imaging today, but, you know, clearly it could have gone, it, it, it could go there very quickly. Uh, and then also, yeah, there was a lot of talk about scheduling, but the way they couched it was, um, you know, not necessarily all about the schedule, but more about the optimization of the resource that the schedule was for. So they were talking more about scheduling for like OR, CT, mm. like the high dollar value places. And what they were talking about was using their uh, massive database and all the data behind it to go, are you optimizing not just the schedule for the surgeons, but the schedule of the resource, the right? So, yep. hey, if you're going to schedule this OR, turns out like the, the half the resources you need aren't available. So you really shouldn't schedule it there. And maybe this is a better time for you. So they were talking about it like that, which, you know, as Epic, they would have visibility into all of this, which, um, you know, may or may not be available to to other uh, folks who who make scheduling software. So, but yeah, those two are interesting. The one thing, John, I have to say is 
there was a couple of things that I found interesting that weren't talked about at the UGM. Okay. Um, one, one, uh, they had with um, with Microsoft CEO uh, there, Satya Nadella. Um, he, I thought there was going to be a lot more uh, discussion around you know, nuance and like AI and how Microsoft was doing a lot of things. And yeah, Dax. I gotta give him, <laughs> I gotta give him kudos. They did not take the opportunity to be promotional. Um, they were on stage, but they just really talked about AI in general and they left it up to the press releases and things to come out to tell to talk about their deeper integration, the deeper level of collaboration between these two companies. I thought that would be much more front and center, uh, you know, in, in, in the event. Well, and to your point, you know, Microsoft is a cornerstone partner. Nuance is a partner. So two of the six companies that are announced as partner are actually Microsoft, <laughs> which right. I guess makes sense why the CEO would go there uh, to be part of it. But but yeah, you're right. Like, But I actually think it's probably wise on Epic's part because the Nuance DAX Express solution isn't fully baked, right? So I don't think they're ready to demo it because it's still being, you know, enough. piloted and stuff like that. So I think it's like, hey, this is hopeful. And, you know, you got all the conversational AI, generative AI, you know, got, got a few of those things in there. So they didn't look like they were being left behind. But, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that you, you know, that we hope we get to, like the full ambient clinical notes that are automated with humans, not scribes, you know, it, it's still under development. So I think that's probably why you didn't get it. The one that I didn't see, at least from the reporting that I saw, because I was obviously wasn't there, but from your report and others that I saw, I was surprised we didn't see more data and especially data partnerships, because before they talked about the payers and things like that and the work they were going to do with payers to accelerate things like um, you know, prior auth and how do we help you know provide our organizations with prior auth. And I didn't see a lot of that, you know, like it seemed like it was more focused on the providers and what can we do? And, hey, we know you're burnt out. How can we change the UI and some of those things? So that's what I was surprised. We didn't hear more life sciences, pharma, payer type of opportunities that Epic certainly has if they want. And maybe they're working on the back end. They don't want to talk about it on the front end. I don't know. But I was a little surprised there wasn't more conversation there. Yeah, you're right. It was a little bit about that, but but not too much. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. Today, we're talking about the Epic UGM and the Civitas conferences that John and I both attended recently. Today's episode is brought to you by Sway Health, our new sister publication that is focused on news and stories in the world of healthcare marketing and patient experience. We just announced our very first Sway Health event in Toronto. Head on over to Sway, with, that's with two A's, dot health for the details and I hope to see you there. Awesome. So John, let's talk about let's talk about the conference that you went to. Uh the Civitas uh conference. So yeah. let me let me ask you this um being there and being the middle of it are Tefka and Qhins real or are they going to be Memorex? <laughs> I love the Memorex uh, reference, uh, you know. Is it real or is it Memorex for those that are young? Uh, you go search it on YouTube, right? But, uh, you know, it was interesting, right? Civitas is such a unique event. And it's certainly known for the HIEs because of the chic portion. But what was interesting was the evolution to include many community organizations, 
which I think had always been part of it, but the HIEs were just so visible that you often didn't realize that, oh, by the way, Civitas was emerging of like three organizations. And some of those were more of the community health, uh, you know, things like SDOH uh, related type topics. And we even saw, uh, you know, a HIE merge with a community health in San Diego to bring the health information and the community services together, which is an interesting evolution, but those things aside, everyone was, of course, talking about Tefka and QHINs, and what does that mean for these HIEs and for these community health organizations? And are, are, does it make them obsolete? Does it you know, do anything? And what was interesting is there were kind of two things that were happening on the high level. Everyone was saying, "Yeah, we'll be friendly with with QHINs," right? And, I, you know, I look at it and I say, well, why wouldn't they? Uh, but then you look at it, they look at, and they're like, but QHINs don't solve the problems that we solve. <laughs> like it does a quarter of what we do. So basically the HIEs weren't really nervous about it because they realized that they do so much more than what the QHINs do. And often at much better levels than what the QHINs going to do, at least initially. And so... You know, the above ground, they're like, sure, we'll work with the Q hens. And there's some question because I guess you have to choose one Q hen as your master Q hen. And some of these are like, well, we work with two or three. Like, okay, we got to decide which one. What does that mean? Right. So there was some of that discussion. Right. But for the most part, the HIEs were saying, sure, bring the Q hens along. Let's see what happens. I had one say, they're going to destroy themselves. That was interesting. So I guess they didn't, they thought it wasn't real. It was Memorex and it's going to be gone. But, uh, you know, others were like, yeah, it's just another piece. You know, I, I loved what Catherine from Direct Trust said. She's like, we're all part of Team Interop. So it's okay. It's just another methodology, another way to communicate, and we can all play together and solve different issues. So I think that's where we are. There's a lot of wait and see. It's taken a long time for these QHINs and Tefka to come into force. And they're like, okay, let's see how they play out. But most of them are not worried because they know they do so much more than the QHINs are going to do. I was going to say, so do they see QHINs as a threat or is it more that that's what an evolution towards where they might be going? Like, I would say they actually see it as backwards. <laughs> oh, okay. They, they actually right. think that they're so far ahead that they're like, well, what's the queuing going to do? And it, it does have a national presence, which is different than than many of the organizations that are very regionally focused or, you know, in general, most of them are, hit the region. Uh, so, you know, I think when you look at it in that regard, that would be the difference is the national focus, maybe. But other mm -hmm. than that, they look at it and like, well, we're kind of already doing that. So what what are you really offering that is so different? And 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 that's a it's a really good question, right? But I think the answer is that national network. Interesting, interesting. I mean, I you know, I gotta be honest. Like QHINs, uh, I think everyone is taking a wait and see approach, right? I mean, it, it wasn't even a topic of discussion at Epic, and Epic itself is now a QHIN. Uh, and so your your comment around everyone sort of waiting and seeing how this uh, formulates or how it solidifies is is interesting because I I think that's where a lot of people are are at least mentally with it certainly where i am with it um but to your to your other point though everyone's not saying oh it's going to be gone I, I think people are saying Look, it is real it's here we we have to to deal with it learn from it or use it uh and yeah i guess to catherine's point it's just another way for people to share our data which is what we're all really trying to achieve i guess 
Yeah, and and there's there's a lot of skepticism, especially uh, the undercurrent at the event was what is Qhin really accomplishing, right? Like, you know, and what is what is Tefka? And it was also interesting. I, I did some video interviews that will be coming out shortly. And uh, you know, I asked a bunch of them the question, you know, what do you, what do you think of Tefka and Qhins? And one of them was like, Hey, I came to the conference to learn about it, and here's what I learned. But the answer was essentially, we're still figuring it out. Like they, they, you know, they don't even know. They're in the middle of interop. You know, they know it, and even they don't understand it fully and how it's going to play out. Because I think some of it is still TBD, right? And when there's a lot of discussion, it, it, you know, it's, it's sharing these summary documents, right? Well, it's not using fire, but eventually it's going to. And when is that going to happen? And how is that going to happen? And, mm-hmm. you know, and so th- there's a bunch of things like that, that, you know, th- that are all unknown or still to be, to be determined how they're going to be implemented, that a lot of people are like, well, let's just see what they accomplish. Now, you said, uh, of course, uh, one of the benefits of being at this conference, and you've gone for a number of years, is just to see the evolution of the health information exchanges and the evolution of the services they offer. And you mentioned the one that merged with the community organization actually is providing actual health services now. That's a very interesting evolution. But you mentioned a term that I didn't uh, fully understand until you explained it, but you said health data utility. What is that, John? HDUs is the the new acronym, I think, uh, that you'll hear if you're hanging out with the HIE folks. And and really, it's an evolution when you think about health information exchange. It was given all the funding from the government. You know, there was a bunch of funding that was given to a bunch of different states. A lot of people think a lot of them squandered it, (laughs) like, to be fair. And then there's some that either didn't take funding, they just built it on their own and understood the business case. I met an interesting company that came from that, uh, you know, that, that was like, hey, I figured out the business case and then I built it, right? Rather than I took a bunch of money from the government and what are we going to do with it? So that was an interesting, <laughs> it's interesting the fiefdoms and and the approaches that each state took. But what's unique about the health data utility and why I, everyone that I saw that has an HIE or something that's similar to an HIE, why they've adopted the health data utility is I think actually for a political reason. Mm. So it's like, how do they describe themselves to the political organization in their state, which most of these are state by state and it's funded by state, whether it's Medicaid, whether it's you know state grants, whether it's other things like that, the state is governing a lot of the funding for it. And when you think of it as a utility, you're like, oh, okay. So then that would mean some government oversight, right? It means you are a monopoly, but that's why you need the government oversight. It also means maybe some government funding because this is a utility that's useful to the citizens of that state. And so when you start talking about it as a utility, you know, it helps you, I think, articulate to the political people, uh, you know, what is important about this health information exchange or this, you know, as it expands to social services, et cetera. It's a utility that helps share the health data to improve the lives of your citizens. Now, that's something government can fund, whereas before they'd go, hey, well, we should exchange health information. And they're like, you're not already doing that or you know, like, why right. would we fund that? But then as a utility, you're like, Oh, this is a utility that's useful to the citizens. Maybe I'll fund that. Well, and, and, you know, after you explained it and thank you for that, by the way, I'm sure our audience was like, it's like chewing that over right now, but 
but um HIEs have gone beyond just simple exchange of information, right? They they're doing things with the data that they've collected, right? They're and so being a utility, I think that term allows you to do that. Like it's more expansive than just an exchange. Right. Um, so I I think it's a it's a it's an interesting term, and for the political side that you just mentioned, I can totally see that it would play better, right? And it's easier conceptually to understand what that is, right? An exchange yeah. and the value. Is, yeah exchange you immediately think of stock exchange or you know something like that and it's like it's not quite the right analogy or like a marketplace right like it sure. um so yeah i i from a marketer standpoint of the utility is a little bit more concrete and i can see why the state governments might want to uh, take more of an interest in funding something like that yeah um, and it was interesting in one of the unconference sessions uh someone asked the question about like well how do I present this to my political leaders to get garner support for it? Right. Like the health data utility that that could solve almost any problem, right? Like any health data problem, you know, including Medicaid, including foster kids, including, you know, uh, schooling, including, including, you know, the cost for, you, you know, healthcare for employers, right? Like it, you get this expansive list. Well, utility could solve all sorts of things. And they said, how do I do that? You know, we can solve all these things. How do I present it to the politician? And Angie Bass from uh, Velatura gave a great response. She's like, well, you you need to go to your, the politician and figure out what they care about. If they care about foster children, then guess what? Your health data utility helps to solve for foster children. <laughs> if right. your, your politician cares about Medicaid and efficiency of Medicaid and all that, well, then your health data utility solves Medicaid, right? Because you have to, for lack of a better term, pander to what they want to accomplish, right? Because it is politics after all. So it was really interesting to see this kind of overlap between the political sphere and the healthcare sphere, uh, you know, because so many of them wanted to get funding and need to get funding from the political organizations. Of course, in Nevada, it's all privately done. But he would love to have some political oversight and some political access to to support what they're doing. Because uh, then, you know, what's interesting is getting participation is harder in some states that are Medicaid. Medicaid said, well, if you want Medicaid, you got to participate in the HIE. Well, guess what? They all participate in the HIE or, or I guess the health data utility now. And so, you know, like, you know, there, there's some pros and cons to each side. No, I like it. I like it. So we basically, John, what, what I'm hearing is we need to produce a t a t shirt, you know, Q Hin question mark or HDU question mark, right? It's sort of like, <laughs> like a, I think which, it's which clear team, who's a Q Hin. <laughs> which yeah, who who's on team Q Hin versus team HDU? That'll be uh, fun to see. But no, I like I I really do think it uh, it's a much better term. And and let's be honest, I mean, just hearing that these organizations are continuing to evolve gives me a lot of hope, right? They didn't, they're not just sort of sitting still and just kind of, you know, spinning their wheels. Like they, they're, it sounds like a lot of them are trying to find ways to be valuable to their state, to their constituents and finding new funding sources in some cases. So, you know, good for them for, for not sitting on their laurels. Yeah. The other thing we're seeing in that community is the consolidation and it's happening in a big way. Where, where it doesn't make sense to, you know, like you're, you're providing the same services regardless of state. Sure. There's some political differences and some interest, you know, by the different healthcare organizations or public health organizations, et cetera. But like uh, fundamentally what they're doing is the same. And so we see a consolidation happen. We've seen it across multiple state lines. And I think we'll see it even more where now these big 
organizations that are in multi-states will combine together and, and kind of join forces in this effort, which I think is probably going to be a good thing. And on that note, we come to the end of another episode. Thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find more details about our show by checking out the programs page at healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on social media using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hong, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week.